Hi everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. This week, we have an interview with Sass. Sass tells us all about the struggles of feeling alone, learning about magic with a parent, and how the Harry Potter Lego games can help us with our worries. I want to offer a quick trigger warning. We do talk about substance use a couple of times throughout the episode, so please keep that in mind while you're listening if it's a topic you're trying to avoid. I think y'all are going to love this one, so let's dive in. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everyone. Today on the show, we have Sass. Sass, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Um, To start off, can you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, my name is Sass. I'm, I'm from New Zealand, um, so way down under. But I, I live between Melbourne and Paris uh, at the moment. I've, I met a, um, a Frenchman when I was living in Paris a few years ago, and um, he became my partner. So we're just sort of working on uh, immigration visas at the moment. So I'm in between two places. And it, it's all right, though. It means I get two summers. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> not bad. Um, in, my, in my muggle life, I'm, a, I'm an event manager. Um, and I'm currently working, um, I currently work with musicians on shows. So I stage manage um, theatre productions and musical gigs uh, and uh, to, if they're going on tour and that sort of thing. So it's pretty cool. I grew up with our musical family. So it was sort of kismet that I was going to be uh, falling into that industry. Um, and then on the side, I volunteer with guide dogs. So you were saying you had a dog um, when we were talking earlier and absolutely am, apart from being obsessed with Harry Potter, absolutely love dogs. So I every week go to um, guide dogs and sort of babysit them. It's the best ever. That sounds wonderful. That yeah, so cute. Do you just get to hang out with them? Yeah, you do. You can take, uh, we take, take them on walks sometimes because they have training during the week. Um, and in the weekends, I'll just go and hang out with them. Uh, but they pretty much need you on yard duty, which basically means you need to make sure that they're behaving. And if they're play fighting, that's fine, but things aren't escalating. And usually all they want to do is cuddle you. So it's, it's pretty ace. Oh man, what a, (laughs) what a fun job. (laughs) What a fun little thing to do. So in the realm of Harry Potter, um, what Mm. is some Harry Potter related information that you want to share? Um, Harry Potter, I, I started reading Harry Potter when it first came out. I, um, I was 13. Um, so in the first three books, I think came out at the same time. So, and then each sequential year as, um, JK put out a new book. So I was the same age as Harry. So for some reason I felt like, Oh, I'm on this journey with you. But I, I do remember, um, going to my room one night and pulling my pillow back to put on my pajamas and the three books were there and, and mum had gone out and purchased them and heard like, Oh, these are, these are the new thing. Um, everyone's sort of talking about this, this great new author. Um, and it's about magic. And she just sort of rolled her eyes and thought, Oh God, that's my daughter down to a T. So I started reading <laughs> it and sort of absolutely fell in love. Um, and I think it was a really good source of escapism for me. And then, um, and as the years went on, see, usually the books were getting put out every year, but then there became this gap two, three years between the books, and I started to get older, and I was thinking, oh, maybe is this a kid thing? Am I still going to like Harry Potter? But still, absolutely, I'm 34 now and still in love with it as much as I was when I was um, that wee 13-year-old girl. So I, I don't really know what to tell you apart from it's just become part of um, what I what I, what I love to do and who I am and and uh, always find you always I've been traveling around the world quite a lot and uh, you always find um, people who love Harry Potter and they just <laughs> it's the, the most interesting conversations talking to someone who's from completely the other side of the world uh, has different culture to you but you both find um, the fact that you can't believe that she killed off Sirius Black and that became <laughs> yes. like your um, chat for that evening and you make um, sort of lifelong friends but it was um, it, it it definitely became uh, a sort of love of mine, similar to what I was saying. I love being around dogs. It just became something that I I really enjoyed. I don't know if you could call it a hobby, but I always liked reading. And uh, I guess coupled with my love for wishing that there was magic in the world, this sort of sort of hit the mark. 
Wow. I love the idea that it becomes so engrossed in your life that it's, you know, comparing it to like working with the guide dogs, that it's like just another major part of your identity that you can compare to like something like, you know, the volunteer work you do or your job. Cause that, that feels really true, especially for those of us who are super involved in the fandom. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I didn't think that. Um, I thought, oh God, why am I so obsessed with this? And I didn't realize it became sort of etched into my own personal tapestry until uh, later on in my twenties, when um, people started tagging me in Harry Potter memes on Facebook, and uh, anything Harry Potter, pe- people would come up to me, and I just I didn't think I spoke about it that much. Um, and I didn't realize that I was that obsessed with it. But as soon as everyone sort of starts recognizing you as the um, Harry Potter guru of your friend group, and <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the most embarrassing moments I had amongst my friends is I got a Harry Potter question wrong in a quiz that we were taking. I just couldn't believe oh. it. And they were so disappointed. Oh, no. Yeah. So do you have like a... Do you have a Hogwarts house that you identify with or a Patronus or anything like that that you feel represents you? Yes, I have all of those. I, um, awesome. I'm i a Hufflepuff, but I'm a, I think I'm um, – when I started on MuggleNet, they asked what, what the blend was because they, they started talking about secondary house, and that really sort of fit with me because I'm a bit of a Hufflepuff Gryffindor blend. Um, ah. Yeah, and then my Patronus, I did I did the um the Wizarding World Patronus things a couple of times and I got two, but I um one was a corgi, which I thought oh. was hilarious. But um <laughs> I I've um ended up I had to do it again, something with the um my subscription on the website and I ended up with a, a Sphinx cat, which I don't Ooh. actually identify with. So I'm not sure if I'm happy with that. I would have been happy with a corgi. Um, but mm-hmm. who knows? And then I did the <laughs> I did the wand. Um, what is it called? The wand thing. Like the I went to Ollivander's on the site and did the wand test, and I got a mm. Phoenix Elm, um, brittle flexibility wand. So I think that just basically says I've got magical dexterity, which I thought was pretty cool. I I really love. I feel when I talk to people who feel like they're they're a blend. Um, I haven't heard the Hufflepuff Gryffindor combo before. That's really interesting. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What What do you think? Uh, what is unique about that combination for you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> for me, I definitely identify with the the loyalty um, of being a Hufflepuff, and I I I actually think that's where all the creatives are. Hence, why my basically my um, industry is in all the in the arts and creative world but also I'm a little bit of a showboat and a show-off which is definitely um Gryffindor um so I think I think I mean I'd like to say it's the best of the two houses but I probably could be a bit annoying and over the top sometimes so (laughs) (laughs) just maybe maybe just charming a charmingly um, rascalish I love that. That that feels right for that combination. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> you mentioned you read the series for the first time when you were 13 and it kind of gave you a sense of escapism. Yes. Um so what was that like what was it like when you were first reading the books? That sense of escapism, you know, what did what is all of that? What was that like for you? Uh well, a relief, really. Um I mm-hmm had um I mean I've been pretty lucky in my life I had really loving parents and um always had food on the table and a roof over my head but I did um it hasn't always been rosy and I have suffered and sometimes do suffer through um depression and anxiety which I'm more than happy to talk about because I'm sure I'm not the only one um and at that time uh thinking back and there's a lot of memories that I feel like I've blocked out because they're too painful but I just um, was starting to go through the first stages of, of having panic attacks. And mm. you're also going through puberty at that stage. And, um, you know, being a, a teenager, you don't really know what's going on. It's horrible. It's not the, the, the greatest time. Also, and another thing is I'm an only child. So there was, I grew up around adults and I didn't really, um, and I don't have any cousins either. So there were no kids around to sort of, um, 
learn and grow with. So I probably was a little bit of an odd child and being a bit showboaty, like I said before, and bossy, it probably could have um, potentially put people off um, my personality, which is fine. You know, not everyone's going to, as I think, was it Dumbledore said, not everyone, you're not going to get universal popularity. Um, and if you try, mm-hmm. you're going to be waiting a long time. Um, but because of that, I found myself quite isolated a lot um, with my peers. And so the alone, the theme of being alone, it was a running theme throughout my life. And coupled with the fact that you're going through these horrible um, moments where you feel divorced from reality and, and massive panic and you're not quite sure what's going on. Um, and then these crippling lows, plus the fact that that I felt that there was no one I could talk to because I was too embarrassed to tell my parents for fear of them finding something wrong with me or, and I didn't really have any friends. The fact that I could let go and read a book about um, someone else who was pretty much alone as well. And in this fantastic world that was sort of amazing and creative and got you thinking was actually a sense of relief um, from my reality of what I was going through. Something that I guess uh, maybe struck me on a personal note is saying, you know, you're an only child and that kind of can like, uh, you know, with birth order and stuff like that, there's the, there are these theories that different, you know, if you're the oldest, if you're the youngest, if you're an older child, only child or middle child, you might have a different personality. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's interesting, you know, the kind of being an only child, being around adults, being a little more independent or, you know, maybe even bossy um, <laughs> for a kid. And I was I was an oldest child. So mm-hmm. I, I think that those, you know, there's a similarity in those roles. And it is interesting how um, being one of the older children or the only child in your family can in some ways give you a feeling of isolation that maybe middle children or younger children uh, wouldn't have because they already had siblings. Right. Yeah. You feel the world is on everyone's looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. Um, And I am so glad that you had the, the the Potter series to kind of like just come in and give that sense (laughs) of relief and escape. What a, uh, what, I mean, what a, literal relief from that world and you mentioned uh in your submission uh or as we were messaging and talking about your uh story that you were bullied by other students um and I'm curious to know how the Potter series was there to kind of help relieve the effects help you uh escape from that situation I wasn't I wasn't physically bullied, just bullied by isolation as I went to an all-girls school. And and they can be quite um, bitchy. Am I allowed to say that word? They're quite, yeah. quite catty. And I didn't fit in um, for whatever reason is, you know, you, people aren't always going to fit in in certain groups. But at that time, at that age, you think that's your whole world. And if you don't fit in there, you're never going to fit in anywhere. Um, yeah. And as I was having these... Um, uh, like being depressed and and having these moments of panic and all these thoughts would come up and I would hold on to them and ask myself constantly like why are you thinking like this what's going on there's something wrong with you you might you must be a bad person which was reinforced by feeling isolated and and physically being isolated from my peers um Mm. reading the books where you get this here this reluctant hero sort of Harry is indifferent to being a hero he's also different and struggling with it and I started to relate to certain things I never related to one character absolutely but I started seeing things in all these other characters and I think um JK is pretty clever in the way that she weaves lessons throughout the personalities of the characters she's portraying so I saw the bossy side of um me and Hermione and then um, the absolute lack of um, emotional intelligence at the time in Ron and mm-hmm. and um, Harry feeling so alone all the time, but yet somehow being able to just carry on going. And the fact that these these guys were different and yet people accepted them and there might be other people who feel like me out there. It just sort of 
gave me little moments of you actually not that there's nothing wrong with you sass you're actually not that bad you just possibly haven't found your people yet and mm. you aren't your thoughts and you aren't your feelings um and everyone's going through something and and people are going through things worse than you so um not get a grip but it's going to be okay um and basically that was a I mean I feel talking to you now like did I really feel that like did I really get um that much out of the book and just thinking about the way I've held on to that series yeah I possibly did it's strange to think that some characters who aren't real as much as we wish they could be um Mm -hmm. helped me that much but it was really amazing and then there was one line um in one of the movies that Sirius said um the world isn't made up into good people and death eaters we all have a bit of light and dark inside of us but it's the choices we make that make us who we are and that really struck a chord with me that really hit on the on the constant nagging thing of you're a bad person that's why people don't want to be around you and you deserve this it's no 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 you aren't your thoughts you you make you are the choices that you make um and I kind of I kind of love that um lesson I thought that was fantastic and then it's actually helped, you know, when, when I've, in, in later years, when I've had friends go through um, awkward things or family members, sometimes these quotes come out and it's helpful. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. So it became more than just like um, a, a random story. It became sort of like a, a bit of a motto to live by, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was... I think it's really wonderful, like having that moment of, you know, you had that moment of self-awareness, like, did I really get all of that from the books? And Mm. was there anything else in your life that was kind of a positive influence at that time that would have taught you that? Or was it more the Potter books just in conjunction with how your life was going? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I think obviously other things, um, definitely. That, that were helping and I mentioned these because mm-hmm. I know we, we, we want to talk about Harry Potter but I had um I had my dog as well who was mm-hmm. wonderful company but she just couldn't talk back that's the only issue there um right and my mum and dad were fantastic um but I I, tr- I tried to hide how I was feeling from them because I saw them as quite I looked up to them quite a lot and they um my mum's completely self-made um and she's um a force to be reckoned with at, at, at 150 centimeters. Like I'm, I'm taller than her and I'm still scared of her at this age. <laughs> um, and my father's um, a creative, he's a musician and he's had the most amazing life and tells, tells the most wonderful stories. And he actually, actually dad was the, the person that got me really intrigued um, in magic uh, oh, at wow. a young age. So I guess I had th- I had those guys, but I hid a lot of stuff from them, which which they were really upset about when they found out, like six years later. Um, but I I knew I guess deep down I knew I always had um, mum and dad, and um, yeah. I had extended family. Like my my um, I've got two aunts, and I d- I did have an uncle at the time, and they always they always were um, they lived overseas, but they were always um, really good to talk to as well. It's, I'm so glad that you had a wider support system. And I wonder if with, with Harry Potter, you know, with these other people you had giving you support in your life, and maybe you weren't being explicit about your problems at the time. Um, so the way you maybe that the kind of direct messages of, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, maybe you just haven't found your people or um, that kind of stuff you were mentioning earlier. So that can maybe did that come in a little bit more clearly from the Potter books that helped you interpret some of the messages you might have been getting from other places as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, what what I had to understand was I was never seeing how these adults in my life were talking to um, other of my contemporaries my age. So. That, I mean, they. I, I was always different, and I loved doing theatre and things like that. And they they really enjoyed that. They liked that they had this sort of outgoing, to a point, gregarious daughter at times. So, mm. especially Dad would sort of revel in the fact that I was different. But to me, I didn't want to be different because I didn't fit in at school. So, um, I didn't really listen to or or think I should talk to them about it because it's 
they'd probably say, you know, of course you are different and that's okay, but I didn't want to be. I also, um, I didn't, I hid it from them, so I didn't reach out. And then and now um, I have a much better um, relationship with sort of extended family. And I remember us talking to my um, aunt who I'm staying with at the moment of all the stuff that went on. And she said, why didn't you just say anything to us? We would have been able to help you. And it's so, it's so sad. Like I, I know they would have been fantastic because again, the theme of being alone, I just thought that it was my own problem and I had no one else to talk to. And how could I mm. talk to anyone else because I was so different? Um, and that that's a, probably a little bit arrogant. I wouldn't have known it at the time, but that's an arrogant thought to have that you, you know, this terminally unique um, thing that no one else is going to understand you. And it's probably very um, uh, a crux of going through being a teenager. But at the time, you don't really know that. So the only thing that was giving me these um, bits, snippets of, you're not actually alone, you're all right things people are different was the harry potter books Mm -hmm. yeah that's i i that observation it seems like a very teenager-ish thing and it it makes sense that you would connect with the potter books because harry you know feels that way all the time the that sense of being alone and carrying on on his own (laughs) oh absolutely and for a while we were going through being teenagers at the same time so i was like oh got you harry Mm -hmm. boy i get it (laughs) (laughs) we can be in this together (laughs) so I guess you mentioned around the age of 17 or so you realized that Harry Potter was kind of your own little world and Mm. I'm curious what what kind of brought you to this realization it seems like kind of a big aha moment for you um I don't know I think I think it had something to do with it was something that couldn't be taken away from me and that that there was some sort of substance to it. And I genuinely loved and cherished um, the stories in the series and wanted to be around it and and, and would spark joy in me, really. Also, I felt like I belonged finally somewhere. I just really related and loved and breathed um, in this this tale. And... um, no one really batted an eyelid like it was totally normal of course that sass would like something like this and so it just sort of felt right if that makes sense yeah and you said that um your father taught you about magic growing up and i'm very curious how this played into your relationship with the potter series (laughs) so yeah he did so my dad um my dad's a little bit older than most dads he's uh quite a few years older than my mum but he's always been a bit of a kid at heart. And he just always loved the idea of um, believing in magic. I don't know if it's that kind of lyrical, creative persona of being a musician that you can just bring all these ideas together and why can't they be real? But just from an incredibly young age, actually I can't remember when we didn't really have that woven into our lives and and so for example he would change words and I would grow up thinking things were called this when they weren't it was sort of like a um his own little magical spin on it and we had quite a big garden and of course there were always sprites and fairies who lived at the bottom of the garden and um Mm -hmm. when I was really little and I was very clumsy as a child I'm good at sport but just not good at um just walking around in general and Mm -hmm. I often fall over a lot and uh, he had this thing where if I hurt myself, he would pull out this wiffle dust, this invisible glitter that would be in your pocket and sprinkle it on wherever I hurt myself and immediately would start to feel better. Um, and so it just didn't seem odd to me that um, the, the Hogwarts Harry Potter world, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds normal. Got it. <laughs> um, so it just yeah it, 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 it and I, I also in my later years look at the way he was around um, me and taught me things and I kind of I love the fact that he just found everything he basically taught me it, everything can be magical if you really look at it everything's got a little bit of a sparkle to it um, if you really some things are harder to find but everything's got a bit of a spark to it and that's super, I think that was a, an amazing lesson that took me a long time to really understand. And when I did, I was like, oh, 
God, things are so much better when you think about everything like that. So I'm really grateful for it. But, um, you know, as you were asking before, it just, it played into me liking Harry Potter magnificently in the fact that I just thought that was absolutely, completely normal. And why wouldn't you, um, why couldn't there potentially be wizards going to um, a, a magical school that we don't know about? Prove it, prove it. Can you prove that it doesn't <laughs> exist? Yeah. Right. I I love that. It seems like Harry Potter coming into your life was just a a natural next step. Given that, yeah, pr- pretty much. I think he paved the way for me to find um, something that I really enjoyed. I love that. Wiffle dust. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, with. it works too. When I babysat kids and they've hurt themselves, you just say wiffle dust, and their, their little eyes light up, and they think, "Oh my god, she's magic." <laughs> And I think, yes, I am. I am. So beyond, you know, your earlier years, Harry Potter has been there for you uh, more recently. And mm. you mentioned that a few years ago, you were kind of going through a difficult time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what was going on around then, making things tough? Yes. So I, I'd moved to the other side of the world. So this is um, 2017, so really recently. And um, I'd moved to London, actually. And it was um, sort of on the, the back of uh, my parents splitting up, um, which is quite an odd thing to have in your 30s. I'd only had a couple of people I knew whose parents had, had split up when you were that age. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, that alone thing came in because um, there was no one else for me to talk to about it. And so you now have to figure out this new structure of how your family dynamic is going to work and what's going on and um yeah. and I was also doing long distance with my boyfriend because we we've li- we've been together for about six years but because we're from two different sides of the world wherever we live has to go through a lot of paperwork immigration wise so it's always a bit of a struggle and um it ends up being Sometimes you you just not with each other for a while while you wait for you know administration to to sort itself out. So mm-hmm. I I was working in London and um, the job I had was fantastic, but it was critically um, understaffed and I was dealing with huge clients um, and it was in the event management industry, but there was also uh, managerial structural um, issues that just weren't working and so it was causing a lot of um, pile up on my end that I was having to deal with and trying to shield the people underneath me from Mm -hmm. Uh, and coupled with the fact that um, the living arrangement I was in in a flat I wasn't super comfortable with and also I was (laughs) I found out recently I was, um, I shouldn't laugh, but I was slightly anemic. I mean, it sounds so stupid. Of course I was anemic. I wasn't really, um, I was so tired all the time. But basically everything was pushing and pulling from all angles. And actually one of my friends said to me when I told her about it, she just said, oh, mate, you're too deep in the barrel. And I -hmm. I get that. I just, I knew all the strategies to, you know, talk to you, talk to myself and say, look, it's going to be okay. This feeling will pass. But it's just when everything's getting at you, then um, I just didn't have any energy. And so I spiraled and it just became awful. And the, the only way I coped, um, which is not good and I do not recommend it, I started drinking quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You're in London and there's a huge pub culture, especially in the winter when it gets dark at 3 p.m. It's quite depressing. And yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, the venues that I looked after, there were three bars and we, we got discount drinks. So why, why wouldn't you? And um, that was, I don't, I definitely don't recommend it because alcohol is such a depressant and you wake up feeling worse than you are. So you, you're sort of borrowing mm-hmm. happiness from the next day. Um, but it just all came sort of crashing down and I just started feeling really anxious and depressed again. And that, that scared me quite a lot because I hadn't felt that in such a long time. And I didn't quite know what to do. And I, I, I was struggling with the fact that Chris, um, my boyfriend, was over in Paris. And yes, he's only a two-hour train ride away. But when, when you're in a moment of panic, you, you kind of need to I, – I just wanted to 
um, cuddle him really or just talk to him. And yeah. um, so I would get to see him when I had breaks. So w- we worked so much that we were owed so many hours that I could take long weekends off and go over to, to Paris to see him. And I know it sounds so um, – I sound so spoiled, like, oh, I'm going over to see my boyfriend in Paris for the weekend. But I really, really <laughs> was feeling like absolute um, poo and just awful. And I was super underweight and just was, it all wasn't dealing well. And I wasn't, I didn't want to um, worry mum and dad because I knew dad wasn't dealing too well with the separation. And um, I just didn't want to put the burdens on other people. And I, I kind of felt like, I was just being super negative all the time. And I knew my close friends at that point, because of course, after school and I went to university, I met my people and got, I have a a lot of, a a wide group of friends who are so wonderful and supportive and they were very supportive in London, but I just, I didn't want to keep being negative around them. So again, I, yeah, that theme of being alone, I just bottled everything up, which is so bad. And I know that it is. And, um, it got to the point where I started lashing out at Chris a bit and, um, he he's such a a gentle gorgeous soul and um he's not really with me he's not really quick to anger but I I remember this one time I got really upset and I was coming over and he just went right this is what we're doing and he he's a an IT guru he's studying web development at the moment and the amount of stuff he can talk about in terms of IT and cybersecurity is astounding I don't understand any of it but it's really wonderful that he has a, this amazing passion. So he's a bit of a, a video game aficionado. And uh, I turned up really, really not good, well. And he had said, right, you're thinking too much. You're going over and over everything. And this was another thing that I realized um, I used to do uh, as, a ch- as a kid going through this um, period is I would constantly go over why I felt this way and constantly ask a question, like you, like I had a wound and I kept picking at it, trying to figure out what was wrong, not realizing that the going over and over was actually making it worse. And mm-hmm. it's that there, there was just that side of me where I had to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, where I needed to know what was wrong. I had to have it figured out. It was almost this obsessive, need to have everything fixed and then it would be okay but then you realize that this is the reason why it's not okay because you're continually picking at it so he just said you just need you need to relax you're going over stuff we all have um these thoughts this we all have um uh dark thoughts or 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 bad memories that that pass us by you're just letting it get to you so this is what we're going to do we're going to play a video game and you're going to stop thinking about um your worries for a moment and I'm not so great at video games. I prefer to be outside, you know, with the dog. Um, but he smartly had bought the Harry Potter Lego game. I had uh-huh. no idea this existed. I couldn't believe it. And he said, we're going to play this. I've bought one years one to seven. It goes through, it goes through the movies, basically. Not the books. It goes through. Um, it follows the, the scenes of the movies pretty spectacularly. And um, it's not violent or, or gory or anything. The only thing you attack really are plants, which is, you know, great. Gratuitous, sort of <laughs> like letting everything out by attacking plants. <laughs> and um, we played it. And I just remember playing it all night. We stopped at 4 a.m., I think, when I realized I couldn't keep my eyes open. And it was, you know, the next day. And I just realized, oh, my God, I haven't thought about being down or why I'm feeling this way for six hours this is new and just thought that this is fantastic. And so we continued to play that most evenings and every, every morning I felt a little bit better. And it was just another lesson to, you just have to let things go sometimes. And, and you don't like sass, you don't have to have all the answers because you haven't experienced everything yet. So what, how could you know everything um, to go? Uh, how could you know everything and how could you know, um, the answers to why you're feeling this way if you haven't even experienced all the emotions that you know a human has to offer but um, I just remember thinking a Chris is a keeper and b <laughs> this is just fantastic yet again Harry Potter's come to my rescue I love so much about that story <laughs> I I mean first of all 
everything you were going through at that time, you know, like you said, everything coming at you from every different angle. I, I know that feeling so well of when you're just in that much distress and nothing you're doing is, uh, working, you know, Mm. it's, it's so much that you can't cope that a lot of times when you can't, you know, when you don't have the capacity to deal with this stuff, you end up just turning to the thing that, you know, it fixes it in the moment. Uh, it, you know, maybe like having a drink or over planning, overthinking about whatever it is Mm. like that's, it's soothing in the moment, but in the long run, it just adds up. And so I, I totally understand that. And it is so hard to work yourself out of one of those cycles. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not saying having a, you know, a drink at the end of a hard day is a bad thing, but it's just you Mm -hmm. recognize when it's becoming, um, a, a crux like the, the the thing that you're trying to um relieve the pressure with and, and and relying on and that's and that's what was happening for me and there there were like there were there were awful things that were going on as well that that were quite dark and I don't really want to get into um mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm aware that there are so many other um bigger issues in the world and and, and for your listeners if, if they feel like oh it doesn't seem like she was going through um, that bigger thing that, you know, job and, and long distance, like we've all been there. I, I do get it. Um, but another thing that I've noticed is that that mental illness knows no background, no race, no um, gender or anything. It can get anyone regardless of your situation. And yeah. it just, um, whatever you're going through, it, it may Feel, it may be irrational, but it's not irrelevant, and everyone has a right to say they're not having a good time, regardless. Because another thing that used to creep up in my mind is that, oh God, Sass, you, you're just being so pathetic. Like there are people way worse off than you. But again, it's all subjective. Like I, I, I felt I've never felt worse than than those things, so I wouldn't know what 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 else. I mean, I wouldn't know what else. Um, how how bad it could get, but the, and as I was saying before, there were, there were other things that were going on that probably don't really want to touch on, but it just, Mm -hmm. um, basically I I just wanted to, um, reiterate, like it, you can have any situation, you can be the the luckiest person in the world or, or, or seeming like you have everything and, um, mental illness just kind of can, can creep up on you. It's a bit of an insidious, um, character. And I just, I kind of just felt like, I, I needed a break and I couldn't do it myself. Yeah. I thank you for saying all It's It's important to remember, you know, that mental illness is something that everybody experiences no matter what their lives look like mm. on the outside. And, um, and, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you know, this is really the first time we're talking on, in yeah. person, but um, I, I think that, you were going through a lot. And even if you were, you know, taking the train to see your boyfriend in Paris, which all sounds very like, (laughs) you know, extravagant and romantic, Mm. uh, you know, that's, uh, everybody leads different lives. And I think the reason why I, I I have, I'm, I wanted to make that clear is I have had uh, comments before of people who see the, the backdrop of my life and think, well, she's got a great life. Why, you know, there are, why should she be feeling like she has no right to feel this way? And it just, mm-hmm. it makes me sort of mad because I think like I have worked hard to um, figure out where I am and I have been really lucky to, to, to have the support and the resources um, to get where I am as well. But that none of that mattered. Um, like depression didn't care about that um, yeah. at all. And thank God I did have um, those resources as well because I, I just think about, all the people who are in a worse position than me, if they had to go through the same thing that I did without having the support, um, how horrible that would be. There are resources are important and it's, you know, access to these things. Unfortunately, even those of us who have access to resources will still face these issues. A Mm. lot of the time, mental illness is truly a universal uh, monster. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I think no one's more or less deserving um, than your support or love, but just some people have a, a little bit more support than others. Yeah, definitely. So in talking about the Lego game, which yes. 
I have my own like love affair with the Harry Potter Lego games. Um, so I do. I I played them in a very like you know with one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. It was I feel most my my deepest love for the Potter series comes when I'm playing those games yeah. because they're just there's something about being engrossed in the world in a video game that mm-hmm. doesn't come with reading or watching the movies, at least for me. Because um, you're having a hand in where the character yeah. is going. Yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is, you know, is that, you know, being, using your actual body, you know, even if you're just moving a controller around, do you think that's, what is, what about playing the video game really engrossed you so much that you were able to completely forget about your worries at that time? Yeah, I think that you've got more sensory stimulus around you that you have to focus on. So you can only focus on um, a certain amount of things at one time. So I just had to let go of other things to um, uh, get in with the game. And that's that's another thing about me um, is I'm super competitive, uh, which which is great, but it also doesn't help when you're overanalyzing yourself. But yeah, I I had to focus on where we were going. And for the first time, I was probably getting, I was better at a video game than than Chris was. And (laughs) it was awesome. And uh, he was sort of looking at me like, where are we? And I was like, okay, we're in the forbidden forest. You've got to be really careful because there's going to be an acromantula attack soon. A a what now, Sass? Like the spiders, the spiders are coming to your left, go. And he just really (laughs) being like, I'm so in love with you right now. You know so much about what's happening in the video games. I just felt really good. Like I was achieving things. Um, I was focusing on stuff and it was fun. And it, it, it was helpful because I knew what was coming up. I knew the story so well. And there was one thing where he, he said, we have to get into the Hufflepuff common room, but we can't. And I was like, oh, it's because you're a Gryffindor, love. We've got to find a Hufflepuff to, to um, get us in. Oh, <laughs> Justin Flinch Flinchy's one. Let's ask him. And Chris is just sort of shaking his head thinking, oh, my God, I love this, but what are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, just. Pretty much, it really simply, basically just took my focus away. I had something else to focus on that I loved and was fun and I had a background in. It's interesting because you mentioned earlier, it seems like some of that distress you were feeling came from, you know, not really knowing what was going to happen and what was going on. And then going into the Harry Potter Lego game, you you knew everything, you mm. know, you everything that was coming, uh, that must have been so especially you know if you're a competitive person so satisfying to know what's coming around every corner yes I was prepared so as part of my um my job as an event manager is managing risks and so I have to imagine all the sort of things that could happen that could go down um at a show or a festival or anything and then write uh plans to mitigate or eliminate those risks so that sometimes drip feeds into my personal life as well um, and I think to a point, it helps and hinders um, me being over, overly analytical in terms of anxiety. Um, but I do like to be prepared. And as you say, I knew it was coming and I knew I could do it. So it was, you know, a joy rather than um, terror. And I, I do think that's another reason, especially when I was so young with the, I, I don't actually have panic attacks anymore, but I think one of the reasons why I did when I was so young is I'd never experienced before. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea mm. of the next step. And that, that was the major panic thing. So it probably wasn't necessarily the anxiety at all or the, or the, um, the thoughts that were going through my head. It was just the, I have no idea of what is coming next. And that was absolutely terrifying. So um now I just you just I just sort of have to learn to let that go and it it is a work in progress and um some days are better than others but generally I'm pretty fine I'm actually pretty lucky that I went through it because um as I grew up and learnt and went and spoke to people about what I was feeling and and learning strategies to help myself things have come up in friend in my friend group um of people who are going through things that they didn't understand or they didn't um, like or they needed help with. And I've been able to share some of that wisdom that people have passed on to me. And that feels really good. Mm. Yeah. This moment in your life, you know, like playing the Lego game, getting out of your head after you played it. um, 
not like you know did your life take an immediate upward <laughs> positive trajectory you know trajectory forever but mm-hmm. you know what what role did that play you know was that like a you know a demonstration of how you could like step out of your thoughts was it a turning point where you were able to start uh kind of getting a hold on those thoughts better or what i guess that moment what what did it look like kind of in the timeline of your life and mental health journey I just felt sort of relaxed for the first time in in a year Mm -hmm. um, or a couple of years. And I don't think I've ever had one single moment of turning point, whether it's been with Harry Potter or another. It's just a whole lot of build-ups of of moments that have clicked together to form a picture of, aha, or or a moment of, oh, okay, so I've actually been working – I've actually been going through some of the steps to help myself as I go along without realizing it. And I didn't notice, but this is helping in this respect. And I didn't really realize that the game had helped that much until, um, until actually I got accepted as a recruit for MuggleNet. So I, um, I, uh, last year started writing uh, fan fiction or, or Harry Potter fan fiction um, on a blog and that introduced me to um, one of the creative media managers of, of MuggleNet who was writing a screenplay. And she let me get involved with that and edit it. And it was just more, you know, getting into the Harry Potter world, which I loved. And then I sort of um, saw that they were re- recruiting for editorialists in MuggleNet. And she suggested that, yes, it would definitely give it a go, give it a nudge and put your CV in. Um, and then w- with my mentor, uh, he asked, what, what was I going to write about for my first piece? And I just thought, well, maybe I'll write about the, the Harry Potter Lego game and how it helped my peace of mind because I mm. think I d- that's important. And it wasn't until writing this article that I realized the perspectives that I'd sort of unconsciously gathered from uh, playing this game. Now, what I had to, what you have to realize, like when you're in that moment of, um, or when you're feeling down, or you've been going through that, cognitive um, behavior is not at the greatest. Like I, my memory wasn't very good at that time, and I wasn't um, picking up things. I wasn't thinking as quickly. I wasn't as fast to make decisions. So um, the fact that I probably didn't notice that I didn't voice at this game, or 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 taking my mind off things was actually helpful is sort of normal because I, I I felt good, but I just didn't really have the brain capacity at the time to come to a conclusion of why that was. I just wanted to keep feeling good. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so, I don't think it's uncommon to experience something that, you know, offers a shift and really helps you, but then, you know, you don't realize it until however long later, you know, months, years, uh, hours sometimes it just it all depends and I I'm glad that you've been able to reflect on it that way because it's it's always really wonderful to go back and say hey wait a second that was really important for me (laughs) yes yeah I think I think I've had those moments and either I just must not be noticing them as they're coming past because I'm focusing on the wrong things but it's just it's it's pretty wonderful when you do realize that so yeah I um I wrote that um showed it to Chris obviously because he was going to be in it and um then sort of sat back and thought, oh my God, let's play this game again. This is great. Yes. Well, we'll definitely link the article so everyone can read it. Oh, good. Um, yeah, do. If, it, yeah, if, yeah. if anything that I've ever said helps anyone feel even a little bit better, then it's, you know, it's totally worth it. As we've reached the end of our time here, um, I just oh. want to know if you, I know, <laughs> talk about Potter for a long time. <laughs> Um, but as we're finishing off, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or anything else that you want to share with everyone? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because I'm probably the last person to give advice or wisdom. But if, <laughs> <laughs> um, if anything, uh, the things that helped me, if, if we're talking about going through rough periods, whether it's you've actually been diagnosed with the um, a disorder or depression or anxiety or, or OCD or anything, or you're just having a bad day, the things that really helped me were um, you are not your thoughts. This too shall pass. And then find something that you really love that makes you feel like home. 
like I did and just immerse yourself in it and just breathe for a bit let these things go and if you haven't found what you love that's fine you can there's so many things out there for you to look at and why not start with Harry Potter see if that um see if that tickles your fancy and and gives you some relief but I just if if I could say anything to anyone it's just that you're not alone and you are so so loved more than you'll ever know uh and just please if you're feeling really bad definitely talk to someone there's a huge chance that they've gone through, are going through, understand what you're talking about. And if not, I'm sure they know someone who has because we're, we're all um, human and we're all going through the um, things all the time. And it would be um, very, I'd be very surprised if, if no one um, could either relate or help you find someone to relate to things you're going through. Yeah, I definitely agree. There are you know, this is a human experience, these <laughs> dark times sometimes. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the, the other thing I've learned that um, if you find yourself um, alone and you're feeling like you don't fit in, you just, it's, that's, that's okay. It's okay to um, not fit in because you probably just haven't found your people. That's so true. Thank you for that. No that's, worries. Yeah. Your story really emphasizes that, I feel. Um, well sass thank you so much for being on the show and talking to us about all of these uh experiences that you've had it's been really a wonderful wonderful time hearing your stories oh maybe thank you so much thanks for having me i loved it that was great Thank you all for listening to our interview with Sass. Sass, thank you for sharing your story. I hope you all join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.